Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hour two of our five-hour Friday conversation. If it's Friday, Rod Babers. It is a free flag, feel good, fake it till you make it. Ric Flair, woo, football Friday edition. Hook them up with Ian Rod Babers. It's a busy one, a lot going on. Two more head coaching vacancies filled in the NFL yesterday and two kind of curveballs, surprise picks in Carolina and Atlanta. Two remaining, Seattle and Washington, to hire coaches. Looking more and more like uh, the music will stop and Bill Belichick may not have a chair to sit in. Uh, so, and maybe Mike Rabel too. Uh, so we'll talk more about that. Also, the Longhorns with a new defensive line coach that they have identified. Texas basketball, big game this weekend. All big games at this point for the Longhorns, but another ranked matchup. We'll talk about it in preview. Rodney Terry's team, who's found its uh, rotation, found some rhythm, and uh, found some mojo. They've got a big one in, in, in Provo tomorrow. We'll preview that game. Uh, Rod will have a rant. We've got to make picks, official picks on these championship games, Rod, Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening. You just mentioned uh, Patrick Mahomes is an underdog. I don't, you don't make a lot of money, I would imagine, betting against Patrick Mahomes uh, when he's on the field. But, no, you don't. But playing, as you revealed yesterday and have talked about all week long, for folks who maybe missed some of your rants, I mean, uh, this Ravens defense, I, I, I just, it just keeps rattling around in my head that it's not being talked about more. I mean, the Ravens' defense, the first since the merger, which was 50 years ago, 52 yep. years ago. First in the Super Bowl era. To lead the NFL in points allowed per game, in sacks, and turnovers forced. Yep. That's never been done before. Not the, as you said, not the 85 Bears, not the 2000 Ravens, not the mm. Buccaneers. This defense. Yep. Uh, so they don't, I don't know that they're getting enough credit for what they are defensively. They are a monster. They, and you know what? One of the key guys is uh, right on that defensive line, Justin Matabike, uh, the Texan. Another one of those kids out of Dallas who's so good. He is a he is a stalwart on their D line, and then they've got the great set of linebackers with Roquan Smith and um, Patrick Queen out of LSU. And then you know one of the one of the really underrated players in this league is Kyle Hamilton, the safety. Remember when oh, when, yeah. when Kyle was at Notre He's Dame? He's all pro this year, though. Yeah, he. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know that he gets talked about yeah. enough, but he is he is so dynamic in the back end, and he just like he was in Notre Dame, mm-hmm. where he's just all over the field for the Fighting Irish on that defense. He's they just draft so well, Rod, in Baltimore. They, they just, just they draft football players. They draft good players. I mean, they don't care. What's the center? <clears throat> Tyler uh, Linderbaum. Linderbaum, huh? They drafted him. Gets really good player. And they don't necessarily, like I said, you're seeing more and more teams start to steer away from we only draft premium positions really high in the draft, right? Safety is not a premium position. But Cal Hamilton, his skill set is a premium skill set. Because of how versatile he is, right? He's a multiple player. He's a hybrid player. You can have this guy covering tight ends, and he can go in the, in the slot and go cover Jamar Chase, right? He's one of them dudes. Yeah. Like that, there's not a lot of guys that can, you know, end up lining up against Travis Kelsey and cover him and then also go line up against Jamar Chase. Like he's the very different skill sets to cover because he's a long, rangy athlete that he is and skilled he, how, he, how skilled he is, he can do that. And that's that's exactly why they drafted him. So, and we're seeing that from you know Detroit Lions, right? They drafted what they needed. and They thought were really good football players on their board, not premium positions. Jack Campbell, off-ball linebacker, not premium. Jameer Gibbs, running back, not premium, but a guy that can help you right away and can be a good football player and give you 
be an impact player, right? I, I, immediately. And you don't have to – if you're looking at a guy who's a premium position, but what if he's a project? All right, I got a developer for two years. Well, the contract is four to five. So you're talking about half the damn contract? I'm developing the guy into being an impact player, and he's not going to give me impact plays right away? So it, it, it all depends on your your mentality and philosophy as a uh, you know as an organization. But you're seeing more and more quality organizations like the, the Ravens and even some of the, the organizations right now that are still playing in the playoffs – they're starting to stay away from the premium position thing early on in the draft. It's like, no, no, let's get a good player. Yeah, he's he, a good football player in the yeah. draft. No, he's a, yeah, he's really good, and he's going to play 10, 12 years with us. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so with the, so with, but he might just, be a center. He might be a linebacker. He might be a safety. Yeah. But he's going to play for a decade. That's and right. he's really good. We know he's that good. He's proven. The <laughs> yeah. film says he's really good. Why are we going to go for this premium position guy who's got all the measurables, right? He's got the upside, but he hasn't proven it yet. It's like, well, we better be damn sure we can develop him, and half the time they don't. Well, it don't work out. That would be, you know, that's kind of what we've said a little bit about the Texans and why they have a chance to rise now because, you know, they, they have filled their premium positions, right? They have their left tackle. They have their quarterback. Mm-hmm. They have a cover corner. They've got pass rushers. Will Anderson's coming as an edge guy. So they, they're going to be in a position organizationally to take just the best player available, yeah. right, and not worry about it and just you know, kind of kind of take that lead of the Lions and the, the Ravens and just stockpile really good football players around those premium players. And that's what happens when you hit the quarterback, when you get the QB mm-hmm. in place and, 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 and the luxury of already having the, uh, the left tackle in Laramie Tunsil, uh, Derek Stingley yeah. out of corner, Will Anderson. Now we can just – Hey, that guy's a really good player. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Chiefs do that because they made a Clyde there was a lair pick. It's like, uh, like that's not, what, what are you doing that? Oh, Patrick Mahomes wanted him. Yeah. That, that's, how, that's how good of a position they were in because they hit him to Patrick Mahomes. But they were like, hey, man, we're golden. We got luxury picks now. right yeah. now. We can do that. And they thought he'd be a good player. He's, like, he's all right. He's all right. He's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a jabroni. He's a jag. But not worthy of that first-round pick. All right, we'll uh, get Rod's rant coming up. We've got to make some picks. What say you? Who's going to win these games? Who's going to be in the Super Bowl? Is it Baltimore and San Francisco, like a lot of people think, uh, the two favorites playing at home? Or can the Lions or Chiefs pull the road upset? Both are really uh, able and capable, I would say. So we'll make those picks coming up. Two really good football games. Let's get to the other top stories, though, the headlines to start your Friday morning. Top Gun Rentals and lawn equipment bring it to you. Start with the Longhorns. And, yeah, it's been two weeks now since former Texas D-line coach Bo Davis took off to uh, take the same position as alma mater at LSU. It appears Steve Sarkeesian has identified his replacement. Multiple reports yesterday and into this morning that the Longhorns are going to hire Miami Dolphins assistant defensive line coach Kenny Baker. Georgia native spent one season with the Dolphins after 11 years coaching college football. We'll hear more on uh, his development, but Kenny Baker, the name to keep your eye on. In the NFL, two more head coaching vacancies filled yesterday and ahead of championship Sunday in Atlanta after interviewing 14 different candidates. Uh, including Bill Belichick a couple of times. The Atlanta Falcons announced they have hired Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, 47-year-old previously the head coach in Tampa. Uh, He also was uh, the the Falcons' interim head coach in 2021 or 2020 after he replaced Dan Quinn for the final 11 games of the 2020 season. Uh, He spent the last three seasons coaching the defense for the L.A. Rams. In Carolina, the Panthers have hired um, Buccaneers offensive coordinator Dave Canales to be their new head coach, 42 years old, with the Seahawks for 13 seasons for leading the Tampa Bay offense this past season, credited largely with helping both Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield post their best seasons. Yesterday's hires means six of the league's eight vacancies have been filled now. Only Washington and Seattle are open. Also yesterday, the finalists for the eight Associated Press 2023 NFL Awards were revealed. Uh, including the MVP award, Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback, one of the finalists, along with Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, and Josh Allen. Prescott and Cowboys receiver CeeDee Lamb also a finalist for the Offensive Player of the Year award. Um, 
with 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 CD and, and Dak. Both Deron Bland and Micah Parsons are finalists for the league's defensive player of the year, along with TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, and Max Crosby. Plenty of accolades down in Houston as well. D'Amico Ryan's a finalist for coach of the year. CJ Stroud finalist for Rand Possible front runner for offensive rookie of the year, and Will Anderson, their edge rusher, a finalist for defensive rookie of the year. Uh, back to the 40 acres entering the program's final season in the Big 12. The Big 12, the Texas baseball team, picked to finish second in the conference in the preseason baseball poll released yesterday by the Big 12. League's coaches who were not allowed to vote for their own team selected TCU to finish first for the second consecutive season. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Yeah, the uh, coaching carousel uh, in the NFL right now is starting to slow down a little bit, and a lot of the candidates that I thought would be getting gigs uh, would be no-brainers. Turns out they're not getting the uh, the love (laughs) that I thought they'd get. Mike Vrabel. I still think he might he could end up with a team, but he might have to sit out the season, wait for the next coaching carousel. So is Bill Belichick. Um, so the NFL right now, they're I think it's it's interesting, right? Because we're getting the Jared Mayo thing is that's outside of the norm, uh, having a kind of a successor already built in, and he's he's more going to be the the kind of what Dan the Dan Campbell route, which he never was a coordinator, right? Jared Mayo, well, who knows at with Belichick's regime, who was calling what plays or whatever. Uh, but he's going to go basically from being kind of an assistant and being groomed to be a head coach. You got uh, Raheem Morris, who's got ties with Atlanta, so that makes sense um, that he, you know, goes back. He was the interim coach there at one point. Uh, Canales makes sense with the Panthers just because he's a, he's a guy that's resuscitated and resurrected QB skill sets who once were considered busts or throwaways like Baker Mayfield and like a Geno Smith, and you can do that hopefully with a Bryce Young. And you talked about the Dan Morgan connection there as well. So that makes a lot of sense too. Um, you know, you start looking, and obviously Jim Harbaugh, I mean, that's the, the home run hire for the Chargers, which that you know, makes the most sense of any of them. Uh, but it, it's the, the, the candidates that I thought would be the hottest candidates in this coaching carousel are not at all. And I was pretty much, I thought Mike Vrabel would be on the market for I don't know, like a few days uh, in the coaching carousel. Mike Vrabel might be sitting this coaching carousel out. He might be sitting this cycle out because he's not. You you shouldn't go be a coordinator if you've been a head coach like he is because you might get stuck there. Yeah, and you might well, do a bad job and you might you might uh you know decrease your stock, well, hurt your stock. Pretty clear that um you know you know what have you done for me lately, league. You know, Mike Vrabel's first couple of years in Tennessee were really good. His last couple have not been so good. And Bill Belichick, we know the last couple have not been good. They're both seen as kind of prickly, too, uh, and maybe pretty pretty set in how they want to do things. Uh, and I don't know if that was part of it. I mean, I do know that in Atlanta, the reports were Arthur Blank really wanted Bill Belichick for the splash hire, and they've become friends over the years. Uh, but Rich McKay, the team president, and um, the general manager wanted to go with someone they were familiar with because Bill Belichick's going to want to come in and report directly to Arthur Blank, Rod. Yes, and, you know, if you're, if you're Rich McKay, you're like, well, no, that doesn't work for me. You know, that's a, that becomes a power struggle. I don't need him going outside the chain of command. But Belichick, that's what he's used to, reporting only to Robert Kraft. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the front office won in that case. And they got Raheem Morris, who, you know, Raheem was a coach at 30. He was your – that's he's amazing. My, when you were in Tampa, he was a quality my, control coach. Yeah, he was my coach in that room in quality control. And <laughs> he's, I mean, he's bounced around a lot. He actually, well, he was a head coach at 32. 
So he, yeah, because he was considered a phenom and a prodigy early on. And it didn't go great in Tampa, but maybe he's too young for it. Could be, could be. And now he's, you know, he got went to Atlanta with Dan Quinn, and he took over when Dan Quinn got let go, and did a pretty good job over an eleven game stretch as an interim. And there were some in Atlanta that wanted to hire him then, and instead they moved on, and he went to the Rams and won a Super Bowl with Sean McVay, and now he's coming back at forty seven years old to get a, another bite at uh, another opportunity to to coach his own team. Yeah, and he actually, and I forgot to mention this earlier, he he actually he and Dan Quinn go way back, even back to Hofstra. I believe they were actually at. The at Hofstra at the same time. He was like a grad assistant uh, around that time, and Dan Quinn was there exactly for, I forgot in what capacity, assistant coach of some kind. And that may have been when they first crossed paths. They end up, obviously, on the same staff, and he, Dan Quinn hires him when he gets the, the Atlanta Falcons job. I know for a fact that Shanahan's love them some Raheem Morris because he was on that staff with, with uh, the Shanahan's in Washington. Yep. So they were big fans of him from that point on, and even when I was um, when I was on the staff in in Tampa, oh, sorry, not staff. When I was on the team in Tampa, my man Shannon was on that staff at one point. Don't forget about that. He's a he was a Gruden guy. Yeah. He's a John Gruden guy initially. He was on that John Gruden staff initially. So they also the Shanahan's and Raheem Morris. That's where you know they crossed paths initially, and then they became a big fan of Raheem Morris too. So you go look at I, I that, that leads me to two two thoughts. Um, that's why he gets hired by Sean McVay later on because, you know, the Shanahan clan likes him, and I'm sure he came highly recommended uh, by Kyle Shanahan. And I'm sure when Kyle Shanahan got the gig from Dan Quinn, he and Dan Quinn were on the same page about how much they liked Raheem Morris. That seemed like an easy uh, staff hire there. Uh, he's going to hire someone from the Shanahan coaching tree to, to be his offensive coordinator. That's the biggest hire that a defensive-minded head coach can make. And for him, and for these, I'll say D'Amico Ryans too, and I guess Robert Sala, it's easy for those guys because they already know, I'm just going to the Shanahan coaching tree. Like, they already know automatically. They know their defensive style aligns with that offensive style. <laughs> and they are, I think it's automatic. And it's the most popular, like, offensive philosophy right now in the NFL. So I don't know who he's going to get. But I, I almost guarantee it's going to be somebody from that McShanahan coaching tree. Well, and the word that pops to mind with all these hires is familiarity, right? When you're hiring someone, you want someone you're familiar with. You know, the reason that Dave, the, the Canales became the man in Carolina is they hired Dan Morgan to be their president and general manager, and those two worked together for eight years in Seattle. Yep. We mentioned Jim Harbaugh's statement of taking the Chargers job as his fondness for the Spanos family, who he played for as a player way back in the end of his playing career, and they have strong you know, familiarity with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Atlanta case, they got to watch you know, Rich McKay and Arthur Blank got to watch Raheem Morris run the team for 11 games after Dan Quinn got fired mm-hmm. and are familiar with his coaching style, and apparently he blew away the interview. That's why I think – Mayo, obviously. Gerard Mayo, obviously, <laughs> familiarity, <laughs> yeah. right? And you look up there in Seattle, and that's why I think it's going to be Dan Quinn because John Schneider, the GM and president, are making the hire. He knows Dan Quinn very well yeah. and knows familiarity. Um, you know, when you're hiring someone for that post, you want someone you know you can work with, and maybe that's where Vrabel, Belichick, they do come in. When I say prickly, they come in and they don't, I don't know these guys, and they come in with a reputation. Mm-hmm. What if it doesn't go good? What if I don't like him? <laughs> you know, that guy, what if he doesn't like me? Uh, that, that, that becomes problematic. Now, is it, you know, it, it's proven, like, I mean, Jim, you don't have to prove Bill Belichick's resume and does he know football. Yeah, I mean, the, come on. The post and pre-Brady years, when you're evaluating him overall now, it, it, it's, I think it's, it's affecting his narr- it's affected the narrative against him and his legacy as well. We yeah, know he, that. Everyone knows he knows X's and O's and football and scheme yes. and Belichick. But can I work with him? 
Is it, are we going to get along? You know, um, you know. You couldn't it, get along with Tom Brady. I know. So I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you think you're going to get along with him? And, and and notoriously, I've criticized him, and this is why I've criticized his coaching tree. He doesn't share information. And I need. If we talking about a chain of command. A chain of command is just sharing information. Yeah. With everybody, so everybody's on the same page and aligned. So one hand knows what the other's doing. He literally operated in a clandestine fashion, <laughs> like some secretive, uh, uh, you know, secretive organization. And he didn't share information with his own coaches. Yeah, that's so that's why, problematic. Yeah. Hundred percent. And uh, you know, Vrabel got at odds with his GM, then got at odds with the owner, got at odds with the new GM. So it's like, okay, well, maybe Vrabel's just kind of get at odds kind of guy. Yeah, can't and, get along with others. And that's you know, it, again, we'll see where this goes. Two more to go, but Washington that, crazy. and crazy. The Belichick coaching tree at one point was the most popular coaching tree in the NFL, and now you got one of the offshoots of it, because I know Vrabel's not directly from the coaching tree, but he is known as Belichickian and Belichick himself, and nobody wants it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the NFL knows now. Like, uh, Yeah, that, that coaching tree and even the coach himself, uh, there were things that Tom Brady was – he was a deodorant. Deodorant. And he was the balance to the Patriot way. The Patriot way doesn't work without him. It's toxic without the Brady effect. You know what I mean? It's oh, just, it's 100%. It's I just mean, like chemistry. Like, you know, you, you add two elements together, and then they can be something very, very constructive and helpful, but you, you take away one of those elements, and then that's, that, that, that element alone is toxic. Yeah, we right? see it so, a lot. Of, right? look, Volatile. I, I, now, we've seen the, uh, the NFL film specials a lot about the Cowboys, right? When Jimmy Johnson was there with Troy Aikman, they were perfect, right? Balance. Jimmy was the hard ass, and yeah. Troy was the nice guy. Yep. And I think the very same with Belichick and Brady, that, Bel- that you know, Belichick was, was the ass, and Brady would explain why this is good for us, y'all. Yeah. Like, he's right, guys. <laughs> he speak you to may it. not like he him. He but you in the hallway, but that's, don't worry about that. And, and Brady <laughs> could be the bridge. Brady could be the guy that could, because he loves football so much, he loves being prepared and studying. And he was, you know, even all of his statements since Belichick has, you know, left New England, he's just talking about how much he learned. From, from talking ball with Bill Belichick and just sitting with him and breaking down game film and looking at it with him and just understanding how his brain works, that helped him a lot. But at the same time, you got to deal with him on a personal level. And he was able to do that, but a lot of players weren't. So it was Brady that, that you know, bridged the gap. And, and uh, you know, they played for Brady. They were coached by Belichick. Uh, and the two together were championship level. Magic. And I think you could say the same with the Cowboys and, uh, and Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman. Yeah. Uh, and because they were a very young football team, and Aikman was the adult in the room, and you know he would be the good guy. But then when Barry Switzer came in, Troy Aikman had to become the heavy, because Barry Switzer wasn't enforcing the discipline that it took to run that team. So it had to become Aikman, which became awkward because mm-hmm. everybody's used to Aikman being the good guy. Uh, it just messes up the chemistry. Um, but when, yeah. it, when it works, it's magic. Oh no, I think Pop dealt with it with him and Duncan. Yep, you're right and about when that. He lost Duncan. Got down the balance of that. That's why, that's why the Kawhi Leonard. Like, Man, why did Kawhi Leonard something? He's like, well, you were missing the guy that usually would be able to relate the to big the big fundamental. Yeah, and that's not really. And everybody loves and respects Pop, but big fundamental. That was something about his presence there with the Spurs that was able to I don't know bridge the gap, like you said, between coach and team. And when you take one apart and take one away, then it, uh, it's a little different. It, the relationship different. And yeah. I'm certain as long as soon as Brady left uh, for the, within that first year, Belichick realized pretty quick, man, hey. dang. Well, and, of course, Brady wouldn't want a Super Bowl. I was a Brady, <laughs> exactly. And then we learned the Brady way. Oh, you can, the Brady way works without Belichick. 
Yeah. The Brady way works without Belichick. That's when I think his legacy took a real hit. Yeah. And currently the best quarterback-coach relationship is Mahomes and Andy Reid right now, right? They're I mean, doing it, yeah. And then you could argue John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson, but, you know, that was that was in friction just last spring. I mean, they were uh, – Harbaugh was kind of at odds with Lamar. Well, that's right? because Harbaugh has a boss. I know. And his boss, DaCosta, was like, man, listen, we, he, he, we, we were negotiating right now. And he, you're kind of, he was kind of calling in the middle. And Harbaugh stayed out of it. Yeah, Harbaugh was calling in the middle of that. So I, I can see why and Harbaugh. I will say that Harbaugh, Harbaugh always good. defended Lamar Jackson and always said, "I want Lamar here." Yeah. Uh, we, and you know, I'm the coach. I don't do contracts. But he didn't disrespect his boss either. No, he didn't. He got a, <laughs> yeah, he's I got a boss, exactly man. right. He respects the chain of command because he probably could have. The no, owner probably would side with John Harbaugh. Right. But John Harbaugh was like, "No, I'm not disrespecting my boss. It's my boss. We got to work together." If you're the coach, you do not want to get called out to the bosses, yeah. the owner's super. Goes yacht. back to your point about Vrabel, though. Yeah, but Vrabel did. Did not respect chain of command. You're exactly right. He also right. called out his boss publicly. And, you know, that's, yeah, I mean, that's a, a lot of people will feel a certain way about that in the organization. 100%. All right, since we talked through this, let's get to Rod's rant after the quick timeout. Let me ask Ty Henderson back at the Horn headquarters. Ty, which way are you leaning on these games on Sunday with the, uh, and we'll do the official picks in bullish and BS before the end of this hour. But uh, do you have a lean here? Baltimore, Kansas City, uh, are, are you leaning favorites with the Niners and Ravens, or you think uh, either one of these road teams can pull an upset on Sunday? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Chiefs pretty pretty heavy. I'm, the other game I'm not so sure about. I, th- I think the 49ers will win, but I think it'll be closer than the seven-point spread. I do, too. I think that, that was that was eye-popping. But uh, you pointed out, Rod, this is a reason, before we make our official picks, before the end of this hour, the the Lions, because, you know, you think of Detroit as a, as a tough city and uh, cold and windy. They play indoors, right? They so it's a dome indoors. team who's yep. played in a lot of dome games. Mm-hmm. Their numbers in places like Chicago and on grass on the road, not as good. Yep. Not as good. Not as dynamic. And the Niners, of course, you wonder if the Niners got to see the light of, the, the, the light of their season and, you know, coming at them like a freight train when the Packers nearly beat them and they didn't play a very good game at all last, Sunday, last Saturday. Uh, do they, you know, flex a little bit here? But – they also don't know if they're going to have Debo Samuel, so that's a huge factor. We'll look into yeah, that coming up. That's big. And then you're on the Chiefs, huh? You like you're you you are an advocate of not betting against Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. Is that kind of the the, the feeling you've got? I've been saying since these playoffs started that that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl or at least go, at least be there. Okay, all right. Then we'll, we'll we'll take your thoughts. There's Ty weighing in. We'll make our picks in bullish or BS before the end of this hour. Coming back though, Rod will have his first rant of this Friday morning, talking AFC and NFC championship games. Your thoughts? On this coaching carousel, are they getting these right? Who's done the best one? I do think it's hard to argue that John Har- Jim Harbaugh is not the slam dunk hire of this cycle with the L.A. Chargers bringing in the most proven and established coach that there is. Uh, and they know they can get along with him too, Rod. That's part yeah. of the familiarity thing. A lot of people can't get along with Jim Harbaugh. The Spanos family know him. Yeah. And he knows them. Uh, so there's familiarity with, okay, he's abrasive, but we know how to deal with that, right? Uh, that's a good thing. Got to have it. Got to have it. Uh, Rod will have a rant coming. Bullish and BS. Your thoughts on these games. Text line is open 512 447 3776. Happy Football Friday. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's talk about the championship games coming up this Sunday. Uh, Start with the AFC. Um, The fact that Patrick Mahomes is an underdog is something uh, worth discussing uh, because it doesn't happen very often. Patrick Mahomes as an underdog, um, he's got that dog in him, as we know. He's got that dog. The last time Mahomes was an underdog, 
in consecutive starts. Think about it. He was an underdog also versus Buffalo and ended up winning that game. I picked Mahomes in that game. I ain't picking him in this one. But <laughs> uh, as an underdog in consecutive starts, last time was his rookie season. Um, basically the first year that he played in 2018. Like it, That's when he was a dog in back-to-back road starts. Uh, that was the only time in his career exactly that he was a back-to-back road dog. Um, his second and third career starts, he won both games. He started his career being listed as an underdog in three straight starts. Prior to last week, he was favored in 100 of 108 total starts. <laughs> he, Patrick Mahomes is now 8-3 straight up in his career as an underdog. The best record of any quarterback in the Super Bowl era with a minimum of 10 starts. And the Chiefs open as a three-and-a-half-point dog versus the Ravens in the AFC title game. I believe now it's still like three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Ty may know better than me. But it's just the sixth time that Mahomes has opened at a three-point uh, dog or higher in the first time since 2020 um, versus Baltimore. He is 5-0 and against the spread in those games. So, as Ty was talking about, that's probably smart money. In Mahomes, 11 games as an underdog. Um, he is 11-0 and in a, in a six-point teaser. <laughs> so, there you go, Ty. You probably like that. Um, so, there you go. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is an underdog. It's just something you don't see a lot. And when you do see it, usually he makes us look silly um, with him as an underdog. So it, and also, it is his 15th game on a road trip, which is two or more road games in a row. 12-2 and two, straight up on road trips when he's got those back-to-back road games and 7-7 seven and seven against the spread. So he's right there at uh, 50% of, of the time he covers. And he's listed as an underdog in three of those games, 3-0 and oh straight up. So as a dog, it's, uh, he's got, he shows us why he's got that dog in him. He's, and why he's uh, uh, quickly – look, he's already on all-time greatest quarterbacks. He's behind Brady and Montana, and then – he slots in right in that conversation yes, already yep. at 27 years old. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's Montana, Brady, and then, okay, you can make a very strong argument that Mahomes uh, is ahead of the rest. I mean, I know people would argue for their, their, their horse in that race, but hard to argue. And there's still so much more oh. Pat Mahomes football to be played, including Sunday. Yeah, and he's going against the best defense in the league. Uh, as I told you, first defense in the Super Bowl era to lead the NFL in scoring takeaways and sacks never happened uh this ravens defense has got a chance to become an all-time great defense but they got to shut down and neutralize one of the future goats to do it patrick mahomes versus number one scoring defenses including the playoffs he's three and one uh nine touchdowns of four interceptions 339 yards passing on average (laughs) 32 points per game on average and the Ravens, as I said, they're allowing 16.5 points per game, best scoring defense in the league. So, yeah, I, I, I'm picking the Ravens in this matchup, but I would not be surprised at all if my Holmes goes in there and just dices up that Ravens defense, even though it's the best defense in the league because we've seen it before. <laughs> we've seen it before. Uh, also, something to watch is uh, Spagnola. Listen, Spags is awesome in what he's done with that defense. Kansas City, Kansas City listen, they're a top-five defense too. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and the Ravens defense being so dominant. But Kansas City's defense is pretty damn good. They blitz a ton. 
Uh, they probably have the uh, sixth highest blitz rate in the NFL, around 31%. Lamar Jackson, remember I said this when D'Amico Ryan, and D'Amico Ryan did blitz him. Like crazy. He did early on, and it worked it early did. on. They just made adjustments in the second half, and they were just better than you. For Kansas City, though, there is the Ravens are that not that much better than Kansas City, in my opinion, if they are better. And I think this Kansas City could have more success blitzing Lamar Jackson. Listen, Lamar Jackson is great versus the blitz. I believe his QBR versus the blitz, or at least when pressure is third in the NFL. But the reason that you want to blitz him, and he, last six games, he's got an 86 QBR versus the blitz. So and that includes with the Texans. Six touchdowns, zero interceptions, 9.2 yards per attempt. So I'm not saying that it's guaranteed to work. He's the damn MVP, or he's going to be the MVP for a reason. But with Lamar Jackson, as I said earlier, you don't want to – when he drops back to pass, drops back to pass, you don't want to defend three plays in one. When he drops back to pass, you want to defend just one play. And the best way to do that is to make him declare. Make him declare means to get rid of the ball quickly out of his hands. You can do that via the, via the blitz. He'll go to his hot read. Or he'll tuck it and run really quickly to abandon the pocket. And that makes him a runner right now, and that is great too. But what you don't want is – him dropping back as a passer, you having to defend the initial pass play, then him deciding to extend the play and having to defend the second reaction scramble drill, and then after you defend that successfully, having to defend the mo- one of the most elusive and one of the most dynamic runners in all of the NFL when he decides to tuck the football and become a runner. You don't, you, your defense can't defend all three of those scenarios, and you can't defend them for four quarters. You can't. You've got to make him declare, and the blitz the best way to make him declare. And I think that's what they'll do. And against the against Josh Allen, the Chiefs were really creative about how they uh, basically forced Josh Allen to to one side of the the pocket or the other. And they they were really clever about that. So they faced dual threat quarterbacks before, so they have a plan. I think one of the plans has got to be man, you got to blitz. They blitz a lot anyway. They're definitely going to blitz Lamar Jackson, and they should. You got to make that dude declare, man. Yeah, and they've got an elite defense, just like the Ravens do. It's just, I mean, and we make our picks. I mean, I'm, I'm leaning Baltimore like you are, Rod, just because this is the best Ravens defense, one of the best we've seen in NFL history with the numbers you just gave uh, against, the, you know, the worst Chiefs offense of the Mahomes era. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, they, this is an offense that can be erratic. Uh, they're mistake-prone. Gosh, even in the Buffalo game, the Mecole Hardeman fumble, which, by the way, give, give credit to Travis Kelsey on the uh, podcast he does with his brother Jason. He took full responsibility for that fumble because he missed his block. Like, if he had blocked the guy who forced the fumble uh, and engaged him better, uh, there, it would have been a walk-in touchdown. Wow. Uh, so Travis Kelsey, like he said, I apologized to Nicole over and over again because I screwed that up. I didn't get good leverage, and I missed the block, or else that guy has no chance to swap the ball out. Uh, but either way, that, that's that's how they've been. That mistake at the goal line, I, mean, I think every Chiefs fan that saw that was like, oh, man, that that's going to cost us. That's mm-hmm. the game. <laughs> We're going to lose because they've seen it all year, Rod. Yep. There's been a one or two plays you know, by a receiver, either a drop pass or a fumble, tip drill interception, whatever it might be, that has led to a loss. They're going to be in this game. It's not going to be like the 34-10 to 10 Texans game. You know, They'll be in this game because they're really good on defense and they've got Patrick Mahomes. But at the same time, do they have enough? Because we've also seen Baltimore against elite teams, Rod. Yes, we've seen them blow And this is the thing, you just said it. I think that's the key, right? If they're going to be in this game late, that is something that Baltimore, they have shown vulnerability late in games if a team is still pushing, right? They, Baltimore's recipe is be a front runner, blow a team out, which they have done, right? They, uh, you go look at their uh, point differential versus playoff teams. I mean, they are 
I believe right now, I want to make sure I get the stat right. Yeah, so right now, if you go look at just regular season, the 2023 Ravens and the 07 Patriots are the only teams in NFL history with a plus 100 point differential versus playoff teams. So they've been blowing teams out. But late in games, when, and they have, you know, their four losses, they've happened late in games when teams are still pushing and they've had eh, collapses of sorts, right? They are three and four in close games, the Ravens are. They're three and four in close games this year. They're talking about one score games in the fourth quarter. And they've blown more leads than they have game-winning drives. They haven't been in that situation a lot. And it's very possible they're going to be in that situation versus the Chiefs. And when they have been in that situation, they have a losing record. The, the Baltimore's only win that produced the winning points in the fourth quarter or overtime this season, that punt return. That punt return touchdown versus the Rams. Rams, yep. That was it. That's the only winning points they've had to score in, in the fourth quarter of the game. Otherwise than that, they've – you know, they've been they've been late game collapses. All they held on. That would lean in those games. That would so lead if, if you think it's gonna be a close game, then take the Chiefs. If you, that's kind of what Todd said. If Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs can just keep it close enough to make it a one score game in the middle of the fourth quarter, I think that's when the odds start to start to flip in favor potentially of the Chiefs. Uh, but you'll know that early on how the game's going. You'll be able to tell that. But like I said, the Ravens they just. That defense is legit. But also the defense of the, the Chiefs is underrated. We don't talk about them enough. The, how about this? That Chiefs defense, they're second with, with 57 sacks. Yeah, they're, right, um, they're right behind the Ravens. But they, they they're, 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 uh, I believe their pressure rate was around 27.8%, second highest rate in the league. So they're second behind the Cowboys in pressure rate no. and second in sacks. No, we've seen that from the beginning. They've rebuilt the secondary. They've drafted guys like George Karloftis to go with Chris Jones, and they can get pressure on a quarterback. Charles Amenahu is part of that pressure package yeah. for the Chiefs, uh, and they're really, really good. That's what they're built around now. But just like you said, the Ravens in close games have stumbled at times. The Chiefs all year in close games, have they, they've, they've blown it with their own receiver and, and, and offensive mistakes that have led to losses. And so I still think that has to be considered here. And I do think the Ravens are playing their best football right now. I mean, the Ravens into the month of December. I I erased the Week 17 game against the Browns because the Browns had to win it, and the Ravens didn't start anybody. (laughs) So it was like a practice squad game for the Ravens. But in the other 16 games, and especially in the month of December where they smashed the Dolphins and they smashed the Niners, uh, they seem to be peaking right now. And so I don't want to say I eliminate those games that they lost the three before, but at the same time, um, they're just really, really good. And it, it's almost like J- John Harbaugh's team's like his brother's team at Michigan. They're like a, they're like a vice. Mm-hmm. They just keep, you know, you ever get, get a vice on a workbench and you just keep twisting it down and twisting it down, and uh, that's kind of what they do to you. They just wear you out, and, you know, th- their defense is making plays while their offense is tough to get off the field and then put the ball in the end zone, and Lamar scrambling for first downs and touchdowns and making plays down the field off schedule. You know, all of a sudden you look up and you're down two touchdowns. You're like, damn, now i got to chase against that pass rush, which led the league in sacks. I mean, this is that's a tough team to beat, especially in their building. Rain in the forecast, Rod, it's going to be a wet field. Mm. Uh, temperatures will not be freezing, but like it, like right at 40 degrees, and there's an 80% chance of rain all afternoon in Baltimore. So, And that's the 2 o'clock game. So you can anticipate wet field. Uh, and I just think that's a condition that the the Ravens love to play in. Yeah, well, they can play any style of football. They yeah. spread you out. They can play power football like they've done. Uh, okay, real quick about the NFC title game. We'll come back, obviously, and, and preview that a little bit more later. Uh, Debo, the Debo Samuel, 
effect is going to be big because the 49ers are 12 and 1 straight up 10 and 3 against the spread when Debo Samuel starts and finishes the game but when he doesn't 1 and 4 straight up yeah 0 and 5 against the spread uh he leads the Niners how about this little stat leads the Niners in targets and receptions when they are leading this season he's actually first in yards per rush attempt for them when they are leading too when they lead, he's part of the formula with them as a front runner to separate. Um, and without him, I mean, we've talked about it. They're, they're averaging almost two touchdowns less per game, like two touchdowns fewer, fewer touchdown, two two fewer touchdowns per game without Debo Samuel in the lineup. That's a big number. Thirteen point eight points per game, I believe, is the exact number. Well, and you've pointed this out a lot, but it bears repeating that uh, you know what makes him so dynamic when he's healthy is he and Christian McCaffrey are interchangeable. I mean, they're pretty much the same player on the field, right? You can line DJ Debo up at running back. You can use Christian McCaffrey as a receiver. Uh, they, it just makes them – and it opens everybody else up, and that's – there's a reason. And it's, it is Brock Purdy, right, who's a good quarterback, but he's not, you know, he's not Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's not going to carry your football team if you don't have the pieces. It was all part of the, the master plan of Kyle Shanahan yep. and Christian McCaffrey already having Debo Samuel and drafting Brandon Ayuk and, you know, having George Kittle. That was the final piece. Uh, when they made that trade last October, or two Octobers ago now. And when they're all on the field, I mean, they're a team that should win the Super Bowl. If, if Debo's off, it's a little bit different because it just changes. And you can really, at that point, you can force Brock Purdy to beat you. Mm-hmm. Right? You can yep. make Brock Purdy Brock Purdy. With Debo on the field and Christian McCaffrey and all the pieces, you know, Purdy's just a point guard. Purdy's just executing the plays, and you, you know, defenses are on their heels just trying to figure out where it's going to be, uh, and that's, that's where Purdy's really, really comfortable. We saw last week, especially when it was raining, and by the way, this week for that game, if you're looking at it, it uh, looks like a beautiful night in Santa Clara, uh, 70 degrees, no rain in the forecast. Looks like a great night. Yeah, but even when uh, the, they see, talked about this, the Detroit Lions are Dome Warriors. They play in domes a lot. The last time they played outside was December 10th in Chicago. So in the past 12 games, <laughs> they've only played outside once. Every other road game for them, Chargers, Saints, Vikings, Cowboys, was in a dome. And Jared Goff wasn't, he wasn't great. I mean, he wasn't great outside. So that's something to consider. I, I know it may just be overblown, but he only had like 161 yards in the game. They lost to the Bears. The Bears on a good team. Well, that's also familiarity, a word we were using in the coaching carousel there. The San Francisco 49ers have a lot of familiarity with Jared Goff. They know him from his Rams that's days. That's a great point. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. They have a good scouting report on him, obviously. They'll have a plan that the – because Goff has been on a heater, man. Goff's been really, really good. And Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, all the weapons we talk about with the, uh, with the Niners, the, the Lions are equal uh, with what they have at receiver and tight end and running back. And offensive line is uh, elite. So it was a real fun game, a real fun game. By the way, that, that when you're watching that game on, Saturday, on Sunday evening – you know, that is the site of Super Bowl 60, Rod. That'll be okay. the site of Super Bowl 60. We're at 58 this year, then we'll be at 59 next year, and then Super Bowl 60, which will be a big round number that I'm sure they'll make a big deal about. That'll be in that stadium, Levi Stadium, Santa Clara, there you go. California. Uh, Baltimore and two outdoor games for your championship, which is cool. We'll come back. We'll go uh, bullish or BS, make our official picks on these games with Ty and uh, Rod and myself. Also bullish on the NFL awards that were out, the eight awards from the AP. Uh, Five finalists were announced at each. We'll make our picks. We're going bullish or BS coming next. The Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. 
Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Foggy Friday on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod BB. Careful out there. That dense fog advisory uh, continues. Been such a strange weather week for the morning commutes from downpouring rain to fog. Had ice last week. Man. Looking for a smooth commute one of these days. Uh, just looking for some good weather. Yeah, some no sunshine. kidding. Sun did come out yesterday. It was a nice afternoon, nice evening. Hopefully, you got to get out and enjoy that a little bit. But it, it was brief. It was, it was, it was brief. And it's I, gonna be. We took a walk in it though. As soon as it came out, I was like, "Oh, we're going for a walk." Let's yeah, go. you got to get that vitamin D. <laughs> got to get out there. Got to get, get in the sun. There, it's good for you, by the way. Oh, that, it's that. great for you. There's some people think that if you shine it on your nether regions, it's really good for you. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Those Hollywood weirdos. That's co- yeah. Holistic that's, weirdos. I think it's called uh, perineum tanning or something like yeah, that. Yeah. We, we, we've sunning. had a discussion about this before. Yeah. Yeah. No, Back it's a thing. Day. It's a thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Sunning your hey, nether world. I think it works. Looks like a lot of sunshine on Sunday, by the way, uh, for championship Sunday. Sunny in 63. Uh, so crisp but nice we'll take that hey rod it's uh, bullish or bs time and uh let's talk about these coaching hires coaching hires which would is there any doubt that the most bullish coaching hire is jim harbaugh the one that is the most that's yes uh i think low that's, risk <laughs> that's the yeah I, I think that's the one i'm most confident in that if i had to pick one about the bet money on one that it's going to work out and I don't know what your definition of workout is. I guess that means yeah. playoffs, you know, compete, compete for, and, and make it to the playoffs. Uh, that would be. How about last longer than Frank Reich did in Carolina? Yeah, which, that's, a, no, that's a great question. Which one of these coaches is going to last longer than the average? Because the average NFL coach right now at one stop is three and a half years. So it's basically what, what it is to be an NFL player. They got the same shelf life pretty much. Um, and I think if I had to bet on which one of these coaches would last the longest, it probably would be Harbaugh. Which is why it's uh, he'd make it more than five way, years. To your point, and that stat, that three and a half years, that's that's why it's ballsy for Jim Harbaugh to take this job because he could stay at Michigan the rest of his life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no yeah, matter yeah, what, no NCAA, nope. he he's got job security forever totally at his alma mater. That would have he could have coached at least seventy five there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now NFL, you go to the Chargers and Didn't you know three out. four years, and all of a sudden it's not working, and Justin Herbert's not developing. You you get fired. That's the National Football hey, League. No risk it, no biscuit, man. You know him. He's trying. He's a competitor. That yeah. dude is a competitor he can't turn it off he can't and, and honestly he's probably still mad he lost to his brother that secretly just it secretly grinds his gears he can't stand it in that house having his brother it's his little brother too right yeah john's a little yeah. brother oh little brother and he's got the super bowl and you don't oh that bothers him. jim was his brother I'm looking it up, but either way. Uh, is he? Well, yeah. Jim looks older. Well, we'll wait until the final two coaching yeah. hires are made and we get all eight, Jim's and then we'll do, a, life, then. we'll do a hook em up power ranking of the uh, the best hires. But, you know, the latest two being Raheem Morris, who, as you've told us, when you were in Tampa Bay playing NFL football, he was a, a quality control coach. He's been a head coach before on it's two crazy. occasions, and now he'll be the head coach at 47 there. Uh, beating, I like that. Um, I'm bullish Bill. on that one. I do too. Yeah, I like that. I I'm like a, that hire. I'm a fan. Uh, and then Dave Canales was uh, it was kind of out of left field coming from Tampa Bay, but he did do a great job with Baker Mayfield in that offense this year on the heels of doing a great job with Geno Smith uh, the year before in uh, in Seattle. No, Ty's right. John is the older brother. Jim is the younger brother. They're by a year. Yeah, they're, they're, like they're, yeah, they're 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 really they were, they're almost it's like 60. But Jim looks like Jim looks like he's older. Like he, right? Looks like well, father looked, Father Tom has whipped up on Jim Harbaugh. Hey, he college football is like more taxing. He looks just like his dad. <laughs> Yo, he's right. also got genetics. He looks just like his dad. 
Football, but there's no, there's right now. Todd's right about that though. Look at the way Mac Brown aged, right? Mac Brown's around the same age as like Pete Carroll and Nick Saban, but they age better than Mac. At some institutions, there's more pressure put on you when you have those college jobs, and I think Texas like that. I think Michigan's like that too. I think the best think example just, of that, not it's not in football, but if you look at Barack Obama before he took office and after he took yeah. office, he no, looks like 25 yeah, years older. All the presidents are like that. But yeah, I, yeah. I am also big on genetics, and John Harbaugh just got the better better looks of the two. <laughs> he looks more like his mom, and Jim looks just like his dad. I mean, it's almost again candy. I, I was seeing his dad walking around at the championship game on the field after they won. I'm like, is that Jim or John? Is that, which one? Well, because as he gets older, yeah, he looks right. more and more like him. Yeah, 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 looks more and more like him. Oh, okay. So yeah, we'll we'll power rank the jobs because Seattle and Washington are still available. The only two open. We'll see if the Seattle job might get filled today. I can say, Mike McDowell and Ben Johnson, I can't see either one of those guys not getting jobs because they were, they're the fast risers, and there's a reason they're still in the – mostly the big reason, or one of the big reasons, that those teams are still in the playoffs. And they've been talking about those two guys for two years now. Yeah, Mike McDonald's the D.C. in Baltimore. And, and Ben and Johnson, they've been talking OC about him for Detroit. the last two years. So I, I know one of those guys is getting a job. I guess Mike McDonald may, may not get one, but I know one of them is. Mike Ben Johnson or Mike, you know, one of them is getting the job. All right, so gentlemen, bullish or BS? We'll do some bullish and BS next hour too about the Longhorn basketball team playing at BYU tomorrow afternoon at one o'clock. Also, the NFL awards and honors. Uh, the the Vegas has you know heavy favorites, um, some real heavy favorites on who's going to win. Now that the five finalists have been announced at all of the major awards in the NFL, we'll run through some of those coming up. But uh, do we have a, who's who's going to Super Bowl Fifty Eight, guys? Who do we have? Oh, it's easy to me. I'm going Ravens and I'm going Niners. Ravens versus the Niners. Easy for me. I ain't picking against Lamar Jackson the way he's playing. I'm not either. And I'm not picking against my boy Shano because I know he's – this is finally – well, they're not completely healthy. The Debo thing worries me, but they've been building to this. If Debo doesn't play, I'm picking, I'm picking Detroit. Yeah, if Debo don't play, that, you're right. That's, that's trouble, man. That's trouble. There's just so much mojo with the uh, Lions right now. And it the is. 49ers aren't necessarily good at defending the run either. That's right. No, they're allowing six yards per rush outside the tackles right now, and Jameer Gibbs he gets to outside. I think part of that part of the reason for that is they're not playing many close games where you know teams are airing it out more than than running. I I think Detroit will stick with the run game. Will be closer, like I said, that seven points. Look, I'm going to say it. I mean, I'm going to take the Ravens, and I'll I think they cover the two and a half. I think they win that game by seven points or more. I just I just I'm not the Chiefs are good, but this is the worst Chiefs offense of the uh, Patrick Mahomes era, and I think this is the best defense they faced. Uh, this is an elite defense. I, I just don't think they match up well there, even with Patrick Mahomes. The other one's going to come down to Debo. If Debo plays and is healthy, I'll take the Niners. I think that guy's all right. But Debo. if Debo doesn't play or, or starts and then can't finish, I really like the Lions. I really do. It's hard to t- – the, the words coming out of my mouth yeah. of the Detroit Lions could be going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I like Bowl. the Lions. <laughs> come on. When has that ever been said by anyone, Nubber? No, not, not, for, not for decades. <laughs> but, but I will go officially Niners-Ravens to the Super Bowl.